Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance, and it is great to be back. A lot has happened since last I was here. It's going to take more than two hours to catch up, so clear the decks. Here we come. Here we go! Only one place to start. The Golden State Warriors back on top of the NBA once more. You never take this for granted because you know you never know when you're gonna be back here. And to get back here and get it done means the world. So the dynasty was over. I went through some things, tore everything, and I'm still here. Welcome back to the Warriors Invitational, baby. It's what we do. I gotta tell you, it was a thrill to be out there and to play a tiny little role in this year's NBA playoffs and NBA Finals. And I am delighted to be back here, and I have, as you might imagine, a heaping helping of stuff to talk about coming out of it with the help of the assembled members of the Hashtag crew here here today, including Hashtag Kembo and Hashtag Nuno, Hashtag Cam, who has earned himself a hashtag mm. since the last, uh, over the last couple of months, wow. is with us this morning as well. And obviously there's a lot to talk about. And, and look, it starts with uh, a variety of thoughts that I have on the finals that'll take up a lot of today's show. But we do have some other things in the hopper today, including a little baseball, a little golf and a few other things as well. So delighted to be here with everybody. My thanks again to Chris Collin, Chris Canty. It's been you know, obviously a busy six weeks or so for me, but here we go, back and better than ever. Okay, let's start with Steph, because for all the things that happen in these NBA Finals, he is overwhelmingly the most important. In my opinion, as one who has been chronicling the world of basketball now for 30 years. The first NBA Finals I covered was 30 years ago this month, June of 92, which was the second of the Bulls' first three-peat. I was not with them when they won in L.A. in 91. I was with them starting in the middle of the season that ended with them beating Portland for the championship in 92. So for me, 30 years now of chronicling and trying to put into perspective the NBA Finals. And here is what I will tell you. Not All championships are created equal. I suppose that is a reasonably obvious statement to make. But for Steph, this championship was, by leaps and bounds, the most important of his career. Now, I don't mean that it's the most important for him. Only he can say that. He may have an emotional attachment to the first one because it was the first one. He may, for some reason, unbeknownst to me, have an emotional attachment to one of the two in the middle with Kevin Durant. But what I am saying is when we put into perspective Steph Curry's place in the pantheon and the historical categories of NBA greatness, this one, I think, counts for as much as the first three put together. Let's be simple about this. The first championship they won, I think a lot of people still perceive them as a carnival act. Let's go back. Phil Jackson who only has 13 NBA championship rings of his own, was suggesting that shooting all the threes they were shooting, that was right when they were starting to change the sport. There were a lot of questions about whether that could win in the playoffs. I know it feels like a long time ago, but in reality, it wasn't. It's six years ago, or eight years ago, however many years ago it was, I've lost track. Whatever year that was, it's six years ago, right? Four and six years that they've won. Four and eight years. Four and eight years. So it's eight years ago they made it the first time and won the championship? Okay, so I guess it's eight finals. It's seven years ago when they won their first championship. Leading up to that, the question was, yeah, this was great fun in the regular season, but you can't win championships shooting shooting all these threes. We had that conversation on Mike and Mike every day, and then they won. But wait, 
They beat a Cleveland Cavaliers team that was playing without Kevin Love and was playing without Kyrie Irving. And I think that it was perfectly reasonable. That series still went six. LeBron James absolutely should have been the MVP of that series. The second best player on his team was Matthew Della Vadova. And that series went six. So I think we came out of it thinking, the Warriors, they fluked themselves into one a little bit. little bit. Not trying to diminish it. But it certainly had some question marks. Then, they win 73 games the following year. Now we're talking. Now all of a sudden they've built on it. Steph with a back-to-back MVP. And now, okay, really have to start taking this team seriously. And then Draymond happened. Next thing you know, Draymond's kicking somebody in the ding-ding. And they lose a 3-1 lead. And they lose the championship to LeBron. And it was Cleveland, this one's for you. And then came July 4th of that year. And Kevin Durant gets together with the Warriors' core in the Hamptons and changes the sport forever. And all of their legacies are written as a result of it. Kevin Durant is still, from a legacy standpoint, chasing that. We'll talk about him a little bit later. And then this happened. Durant leaves, the injury, the departure. The rock-bottoming of everything. Thompson is hurt for two years. Steph gets hurt. They had the worst record in the league. They were 15 and 50 the year that the season got called off because of COVID. 15 and 50. They are the first team ever to go from the worst record in the league to winning the championship in a three-season span. They lose in the play-in last year, and now they win the whole thing. And this time, for the first time, Steph Curry was definitively the best player on the floor for six games and all year. Steph Curry, who in this season broke the three-point record, did it at the Garden with Ray Allen and Reggie Miller in attendance, and had an MVP caliber season working before he started having some injury issues, and that team started having some injury concerns. But from the moment they were whole, they were the best team, and he was the best player. And in my opinion, this is the one that puts him over the top. This is the one that settles any debate, any dispute. Steph Curry prior to this was a great player, an all-time great player. Of that, there was no doubt. We're now in a place that we're arguing over things that players should be flattered we're talking about. The mere fact that you're in this conversation is the ultimate praise. But now let's have it. So ESPN did a list of the top 75 players before this, the 75th season, began. Let's make this Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. How many of the players who were in front of Steph Curry before remain that way? Straight talk wireless, no contract, no compromise. Because everyone wants to just immediately fall back to, oh, he's a top 10 player now. Top 10 player now. Hold on. Hold on. Top 10 means we're kicking people out. And a bunch of them. He was 16. Here are the names of the 15 players who were ranked ahead of him at the start of this season. Moses Malone, Julius Irving, Hakeem Olajuwon. Kevin Durant, Shaq, Kobe. Oscar, Tim Duncan, Larry Bird, Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, Magic, Kareem, LeBron, and Michael. How many of those 15 does he jump? Because to be clear, if he's going to make it to the top 10, he's got to jump six of them. Are you ready to move him past six of the names I just read? 
Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. Save on commercial auto insurance from Progressive. Get a fast quote at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Let's start with the easy ones. He moves past Moses. He moves past Dr. J. And he moves past Elijah One. I believe those three, I am comfortable saying that if I'm doing a list of historical greatness now, which takes into account any number of things, Steph has three things going for him. He's got the championships. He's got the performance, the, the, the MVPs and all those things. And he's got the changed the game. Mm. There is an enormous, there's a lot to be said about the fact that he has changed the sport. Because the players listed in front of him, I mean, Dream had the dream shake and the wiggle, and Moses had the faux, 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 and Dr. J really changed the game more than any of the rest of them. Dr. J ushered in the high-flying nature of the sport. But I am comfortable putting Steph Curry on my list of historical greatness ahead of those three instantly, which would immediately put him at 13. Are you comfortable with that so far, Hembo? Most definitely. And I think you're probably being a little bit conservative. Well, I've only just started. So I just started with those three. Okay. We're not done yet. Mm-hmm. But I just am going to check in periodically. Okay. Are we comfortable that he goes ahead of those three? I'm most definitely comfortable. Nuno, are we comfortable that he goes ahead of those three? Uh, easily comfortable, yes. Okay. But now this gets interesting because KD is 12. <laughs> are you comfortable right this minute, Nuno Teixeira, my vice president of basketball passion and information, are you comfortable this minute saying on the list of all-time greats, Steph Curry goes ahead of Kevin Durant? Uh, I am. I think his overall impact, this championship and his overall impact to the game has surpassed Kevin Durant at this point in time. It is worth, And, and I, I think the most important part of that phrase was at this point in time. Because for both of these two, this is a story that has not been fully written. This is a book that has chapters remaining. So all we're doing is checking in right now. Durant could change things. But Hembo, are you comfortable right now, historically speaking, putting Steph Curry ahead of Kevin Durant? I am. I am. I wouldn't have been so maybe even two weeks ago. But having won one before KD, now having won one after KD, and in between changing the game of basketball forever, I am comfortable putting Steph ahead of KD. Me too. I I echo what you just said, which is to say if they lose this series, Mm. KD stays ahead of them. But this one puts Steph ahead of Durant. Now, Durant is probably tweeting about that this instant. <laughs> and again, we're going to talk more about him. But if he jumps Durant, that puts him at 12. 10 and 11 are Shaq and Kobe. Are we comfortable right now saying Steph Curry is a greater player historically than Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant. Now, he doesn't have to replace those two. You can disagree with the other positioning of this list. But in order for him to move into the top 10, he's got to bump two people. Shaq, Kobe, Oscar, Duncan, Larry Bird, Bill Russell, Wilt, Magic, Kareem, LeBron, and Michael. Are we comfortable saying he jumps two of those players on the historical list. I will answer that question for you coming up in just a matter of moments. This is Greeny. Remember the first time you discovered something amazing? What if that could happen to you with your job? Well, ZipRecruiter works like your personal recruiter to help you find jobs or discover new opportunities that are the right fit for you. Sign up for free at ZipRecruiter.com. 
Up next, we will tell you exactly where Steph goes on the all-time list. Plus, the one person you just knew couldn't keep quiet has chimed in. And what he said is very revealing. And we will dive in as we continue next. It's good to be back. I'm Greeny on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash greenie today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. The 2022 Bill Russell NBA Finals MVP Award goes to Stephen Curry. Hey, I hear all the conversations. I hear all the chatter. We hear all the chatter. Ain't got to talk about it. Just got to go do it. And uh, that's what this is about. Let's understand this. This is the greatest shooter God has ever created. We have never seen a shooter the likes of Steph Curry in the history of the game of basketball. Forget that. We champs. Why are you starting with that? We got four championships. It's hilarious, right? If you really think about it, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. If you really think about it, Steph is sitting there saying, you all doubted me. You all said I couldn't do it. You all said uh, this and that. Hey, Steph, how does it, what does it mean to you to win the MVP? Why are you asking me that? This is about the team. I'm not asking for consistency. I get it. You just won. But, I mean, it's all so completely ludicrous one way or the other. We're, we're counting down exactly where Steph belongs on the all-time list, and we continue doing that after these 60 seconds for Masterworks. You know, Magic was an icon on and off the court. Ten NBA championships, five as a player, five as an owner. But he's more than just a baller. He's an investor, too. Off the court, he turned $40 million into over $600 million. And the real news is what he's doing next. He's betting on a completely overlooked $1.7 trillion asset class that's expected to explode by another trillion by 2026. His investing partner said he thinks it'll outperform stocks and bonds, and it seems like he's right. Because while most people are down 5, 10, 20%, a group of investors putting money into this asset are up 33% in 2022. They're keeping their wealth safe from inflation and diversifying for the future. With over 450,000 members, demand is high, but you can skip to the front of the line right now at Masterworks. 
Go to masterworks.com. Use the promo code GREENY. See important regulation A disclosures at masterworks.io slash CD. There's no guarantee of profits. Investing includes risk of loss. That's masterworks.com. The promo code is GREENY. All right, so if you're just joining me, here's where we left off. Steph Curry. The default seems to be, oh, he's made himself a top 10 player of all time. And my response is, slow down. I give him all the credit in the world. He is an immortal. He received the key with this championship to that tiny little room in the Basketball Hall of Fame that is reserved only for the immortals. But there are more than 10 people in that room. And so the question is, does he actually make the top 10 right now? So before the season began on ESPN.com, they listed the top 75 players, and he was 16th. We just moved him up to 12 by putting him past Moses, Dr. J, Hakeem, and Durant. Again, Durant's story has not been written, but as of this moment, we put Steph ahead of him. Here's the problem. We need to find two more to put him ahead of out of this list. Shaq, Kobe, Oscar, Duncan, Bird, Russell, Wilt, Magic, Kareem, LeBron, and Michael. Nuno, are you comfortable putting him ahead of two people on that list? And if so, which two? So I think part of the issue is like I haven't seen a lot of those guys, but I know like the easy default one has been, oh, put him ahead of Tim Duncan. Like, no, like you're not putting him ahead of Tim Duncan. And I think Tim might even be too low on that list based upon everything that he's accomplished. So I don't think I'm able to put him in ahead of two of those guys on that list right now. Okay. Uh, Hembo, are you, and you, of course, always approach things from a, an analytics and stats standpoint, are you prepared to put him ahead of two people? I am. I, I would start with Oscar Robertson. Oscar Robertson, who statistically is inarguably one of the 10 greatest players ever, but Oscar Robertson didn't do hardly any high-level winning until later in his career once he teamed up with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Steph has done much more of that than he has, so I'd put him ahead of Oscar for sure. I think there are a handful of other guys for whom you could make a credible argument. I think Steph is already a greater player than Shaq ever was, and I I do think especially by the time he is done, that will be exceedingly clear. And when you look at both Shaq and Kobe, having won those three championships together, I think Steph's championship in 2015 and Steph's championship this year— is more impactful than any of those three that those guys won together because Steph was the best player on both of those teams, not to mention the fact that, like I said before, he changed the game, and his impact thus on high-level winning I think was greater than either player. It's just hard. The reason this is hard for people is because Steph has done it in a non-traditional way, in a way in which it doesn't look right. It doesn't feel right. We're not used to seeing this kind of thing before. I think 20 years from now, we'll look back with an even greater appreciation for what Steph did because that's what the league will look like collectively across the board. So Zach Lowe was the first person I heard say this, and he said it to me and Mike on Mike and Mike. When Steph first started becoming Steph, he said, this guy has the same but opposite impact on defenses that Shaq did, which is to say Shaq made defenses collapse on him in such a way that they broke you couldn't guard everything else on the floor because you needed to spend expend so much of your resources, energy, whatever phrase you want to use for it, on where he was. He broke them down by he broke them by making them so small. 
and Steph Curry did the exact opposite. He stretched them mm-hmm. out with his range to a point where they became like a rubber band, and you can only pull it so far before it snaps. And that rubber band, that defense has snapped and broken in the same. It's sort of for every action, there's an equal opposite reaction. Shaq and Steph Curry are equal opposite forces mm. on the floor. And Zach Lowe said that on Mike and Mike. And I brought it up to Shaq when Shaq came on with us. And Shaq agreed. Mm. He liked that analogy. Here's the problem I have with Oscar. My father, and you know, yesterday, Father's Day, when for any of us who've lost our dads, is always a sort of a day of some mixed emotion. My father is where I got all of my sports knowledge and passion from. My father is screaming at you right now from wherever he is, saying, if you don't think Oscar Robertson is one of the greatest players of all time, you have no idea what you're talking about. I could never bring up Michael's greatness without my father saying, you cannot say he's better than Oscar. You just can't say it. Because my dad was a child of the 50s and the 60s, and you and I are not. I didn't see Oscar Robertson play, so I don't really have that perspective. Here's what I will say. Shaq was the star. Shaq was the central focus of three of those five Laker championships, and Dwayne Wade was the focus of the one in Miami. Kobe was the focus of the two championships he won post Shaq in L.A. Somewhere in all of this has to go into the equation, which guy would you take on your team if you're starting one, right? If you're starting a team and you could have one of these two guys, which one are you taking? I don't know where to put that in this equation. Well, there's no way in hell I'm taking Steph Curry over Kobe. Why not? Because Kobe basketball is played on both ends of the floor, first of all. Kobe Bryant was one of the great defenders of all time. Kobe Bryant... I just having watched his entire career, if you told me I could have a team and I could start it with either that guy or that guy, which one are you taking? I'm starting it with Kobe. Are you missing all those Kobe years in between those championships where he was the guy and they stunk? There weren't that that many years. I mean, Steph Curry, I get that he was hurt, but Steph Curry just went 15 and 50, we just said, two years ago. Now, he was injured for a lot of that, Mm -hmm. and that team was decimated by injury. But historically speaking, teams don't lose guys like Shaq and rebound to win championships that fast. They did because of Kobe. Steph just did the same thing. Just did the same thing. They rebounded from all the injury. In his case, they got all the same guys back, and they won. The worst part about these arguments is that you have to, on some level, diminish one to elevate the other. I don't want to diminish Steph Curry. It's the last thing on earth I want to do. But I'm not putting him ahead of Kobe. I'm just not. Now, if he wins another championship, maybe we'll have that kind of... There's no way I'm putting him ahead of Kobe. I will hear you on Shaq. I will hear you on putting him ahead of Shaq. And I will hear you on putting him ahead of Oscar because I just don't have the perspective. Every other player, well, I don't have the perspective on Russell or Wilt either. But Wilt basically has his own record book, and Russell won the championship every single year. So I don't need to have seen their careers to know that. And Michael, Magic, LeBron, that's not even worth talking about. So those are the names that are up for debate here. Oscar, Shaq, Duncan, as Nuno just said, and maybe Bird. Having watched Bird's entire career, I mean, A, I hated Larry Bird like I've never hated anything in my entire life in the way that you hate athletes. That is a sports comment. It is not meant in any other way. Every time I've met Larry Bird, A, he's been very friendly, and B, I was awestruck when I met him the first time. But as a kid growing up as a Knicks fan, oh my goodness, you didn't hate anybody like you hated that guy. Anyway, that's not the point. 
It's very difficult for me to say Steph Curry is a greater player historically than Larry Bird, but it, 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 it deserves having a conversation. Hmm. So those are the ones that you could start debating, in my opinion. I think Kobe is too low on this list, is what I'm trying to say. I would move Kobe ahead of all those people we just named. Kobe is 10 on this list. I think, <coughs> off the top of my head, I think I would have him at 7 or 8, which would sort of put him out of the realm of this discussion. Is Kobe higher or lower than Tim Duncan? Higher. He's higher than Tim Duncan. I put him ahead of him. Huh. So that's kind of an interesting juxtaposition because I think those two guys, Kobe and Duncan, are kind of similar, actually, to the Steph LeBron thing, where we can all agree that LeBron is a more individually outstanding player than Steph Curry. I think the same can be said of Kobe in relation to Tim Duncan. But the Spurs were the defining team of that era. Tim Duncan was the best player on that team. Stand by. Stand by. How were the Spurs? Kobe Bryant won five championships from the time Tim Duncan won his first to the time he won his last. How was the Spurs the defining team of that era? They just lasted longer. Well, sure, but they won five in a 15-year period right. and sustained it, unlike the Lakers. Kobe's teams won five in a whatever it was, nine-year period. I've lost however many years that the, was. Those are Kobe slash Shaq's teams. Oh, like I you get said, it, but though. Tim Duncan won his first championship with David Robinson, right? and he played with two other Hall of Famers on the teams that wound up winning all those other championships. I get that Ginobili and uh, Parker are not in the same conversation with the all-time greats, but they're both Hall of Famers. But they're Hall of Famers because of Tim Duncan, like Clay Thompson and Draymond Green will be Hall of Famers because of Steph. Curry. I think Tim Duncan is probably the closest historical proxy to Steph Curry in part because of that. All right, so that's fair. So look, if there's anything that we've concluded here, it is that I think if you want to make the argument that he sneaks into the top 10 all time, you can do it. You can do it. But I don't think it's as easy as it might have seemed. Okay, I'm going to save my KD stuff because that went longer than I expected. Mm. And I do want to get a few other things in today, but I promise I have a lot to say about Kevin Durant on uh, social media over the course of the last few days and what this all means for him. We'll get to that, but right now... I'm ready to go right now. Green Light light with Greeny. Give me the green light. I'm going to be completely upfront and honest with you right now. Uh, The green light is where we give either Hembo or myself or somebody the green light to talk a little baseball. In my entire career... I've never been less in touch with what was going on in baseball on June, whatever today is, 20th, than I am at this moment. Having traveled with the NBA for the last five weeks, I've done my best to stay on top of things, but I need you to catch me up. What are the most important things that I need to know? If there was one thing that you have missed that you need to know, that you need to be plugged in on, Greeny, it is that Aaron Judge and the Yankees are having a season for the ages. They won nine games consecutively before losing yesterday. But to put in perspective what they're doing so far, Aaron Judge is on pace to hit 62 home runs this season, and the New York Yankees are on pace to win 120 games. Here's why that matters right now. The NBA season ended last week. The hockey season is going to end this week, which means over the next couple months, I think the Yankees and Aaron Judge have a unique opportunity to truly own the summer, the same way that McGuire and Sosa owned 1998, the same way that Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle owned 61, the same way that Ted Williams and Joe DiMaggio owned 41. You have the most popular player in the sport chasing down 61 on the most popular team in the sport on pace to win 120 games. It is the perfect baseball storyline to carry us through the summer, and I, for one, am here for it. I love it. I think you're exactly right. And I do recall a conversation that we had shortly before I left for the finals. 
in which we talked about what it will mean if Judge gets to 62. Mm. And sometimes I never really have a sense of how old people listening to the show are. So if you're my age, you don't need to have this explained to you. But I do feel it is appropriate to explain to people that the home run record of 61 home runs in a single season was broken with enormous controversy itself. I don't mean this, excuse me, it was set with enormous controversy. That when Roger Maris hit 61 home runs, it had not a figurative, but a literal asterisk placed next to it by the commissioner of baseball. Because the regular season had just been extended from 154 to 162 games. And so the record was deemed not legitimate. Many years later, that asterisk was removed. But Roger Maris went to his grave not feeling that his record had been celebrated. And then it was broken fraudulently. It was, bro- it was flagrantly and fraudulently broken. No player in baseball history has ever hit more than 61 home runs without the use of illegal performance-enhancing drugs. I'm using the word illegal to mean against the rules of the sport. No player ever has. That's not up for debate. I say that as a person who believes Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa, and that's it, right? Just those three guys are the only ones who've done it. I believe all three of them should be in the Hall of Fame. But that does not change the fact that I believe there is a real case to be made that 61 is a number that should be honored, should be considered a record. And so if Judge makes a run at that, I agree with you. It really does. It will bring particular, look, baseball's demographic, generally speaking, is a little older. Mm -hmm. That older demographic, meaning people my age and older than me, and certainly anyone old enough to have been a Maris fan or anything like that, you know, which is, which is at this point, what is that, 60 years ago. So there's not too many of those fans, unfortunately, probably still around, but there are some. I think that, that this will be that summer. Mm-hmm. This will be the summer where we'll be rooting for Judge like crazy because he goes through all the testing, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Aaron Judge is tested oh, yeah. regularly just like all the players are. So there will be an element of clean to Judge breaking this record if he does it that I think will feel super satisfying. And I'm not going to be even remotely. And look, Barry Bonds was at one of the Warriors championship games. They showed him sitting down on the court. He waved and, and, and they gave him a great cheer and good for him. I am not one of those who believes Barry Bonds needs to be cast out of society and treated like a leper. And the same with McGuire and the same with Sosa. But I also believe that this record, if it is going to have any sanctity, mm-hmm. I believe 62 will matter. And so I, for one, am really hoping it happens. I think 62 will matter. And I think Aaron Judge on the Yankees this summer is the perfect player to do it. I've said it before, but I think it bears repeating. From 1871, the first year baseball was ever played, through 1997, there were two 60 home run seasons. It was Maris in 61 and Babe Ruth in 1927. Over the next four years, it was done six times fraudulently, like you said. And since then, it's not been done once. To me, this is the perfect moment in time to make that happen so people from your age to, people, to, to, to kids now that love Aaron Judge can truly enjoy and appreciate us, like him chasing down a real record. Baseball hasn't had something like that to sink its teeth into legitimately in forever. To me, this is the year, this is the summer to make that happen. And I think Aaron Judge has a real shot of it, given the way he's swinging the bat right I now. I really hope 
this happens. Sign me up for this. All right, coming up next, again, I have a lot to say about KD. There's more basketball coming, but I want to get a few other things in today as well. So coming up next, the one thing I enjoyed most about the U.S. Open this weekend was the last thing I was expecting it to be. I'll tell you what it was, but after this word from ZipRecruiter, remember the first time you discovered something amazing? Like when you saw your first summer blockbuster in a theater or watched your favorite band live in concert? That could happen to you at your job. What if it could? What if that could happen to you with your job? Maybe there's a job that was made for you. ZipRecruiter can help you find it. Like a personal recruiter, ZipRecruiter works for you to find a great job or discover new opportunities that are the right fit for you. ZipRecruiter also pitches your profile to employers, and they can invite you to apply for jobs. Sign up for free at ZipRecruiter.com. At ZipRecruiter.com. I'm Greeny on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Brainstorm. What is something that works so well that it's basically magic? Air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, meeting-free Fridays? What about selling with Shopify? (coughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to all other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash greenie, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash greenie now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash greenie. Oh yeah, greenie with you here on ESPN Radio. Delighted that you are along for the ride and I'm delighted to be back. Handball, you put some information here about the 62 home run thing. That we were talking about. And let's just make sure that everyone has it right. I, I had it, not that I had it wrong, mm-hmm. but here are the specifics. July 17th of 61. So this is during the season in which July of the season in which Maris is going to ultimately break this record. The commissioner was a man named Ford Frick, who had been a, a sports writer. And he ghost wrote Babe Ruth's book. So his connection to Ruth was no secret. 
he announced at a, at a news conference that the record books should have two separate categories for the home run record. One for Ruth, set during a 154-game season, and one for any record that was set in 162 games. And so that was the same year. That was that year that the American League expanded from 154 to 162. It was not until 1991 that a committee voted to remove the distinction and reward the record fully to Maris, who had died of cancer six years earlier. So Maris never really got to enjoy that record. Mm -hmm. And it's a shame. And then McGuire and Sosa sort of brought his family nicely into it in 1998, and then that turned out to be a fraud, so (laughs) that took all the fun out of that. So let's resurrect Maris this summer with Aaron Judge and see how it goes. Okay, Uh, we're going to get into all of the KD stuff and all of the basketball again off the top of the next hour, but I I did have a list of things I wanted to talk about, and if you know anything about me, you know how much I love golf. And the foundation of my favorite sport, which is golf, not the sport itself, but the foundation of the business – of professional golf is being shaken, has been shaken, and it will never be exactly the same again. It will eventually find a new normal. I don't know what that will be. And we'll get used to whatever that becomes. But make no mistake, this live golf business, of which you may know very little, or maybe you know everything about it, is completely changing the sport. And look, Who am I to say that if someone offered me $200 million or $125 million or $100 million and said, here's this money, you can have it by working infinitely less than you've been working with much less pressure, which is to say, and I think this is clear to most people, but for those who don't follow golf, on the PGA Tour, you actually have to play well to make any money. The guys playing this live tour, if you shoot 50 over par, you get a $120,000 check. If you win, Charles Schwartzel won at the first event, made more money doing that, infinitely more money doing that than he made winning the Masters, infinitely more. So that's how much money is being thrown around in that thing. And who among us, look, they're all, other guys are going to do it, right? I mean, Ricky Fowler, I think what's happened is that Ricky Fowler and some of the others might be seeing all of the blowback that Phil and Dustin Johnson, and Dustin Johnson just doesn't care, right? He just does not care one bit. Phil, I think, does. And what Phil has given up in doing this is, fascinates me. Let me get to, the, to the, what I teased, and then we can disseminate from there. What I found myself feeling watching the U.S. Open that surprised me was being incredibly happy that all the live guys got blown out. Hmm. They all got blitzed. And I don't think it's a coincidence that they all played badly. I think there's just so much psychological stuff going on with them. And they'll all get it back together again. But golf is such a psychological game that I think it's not a coincidence that all those guys played badly for the most part this weekend. And I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but sometimes you'll sit, I'll sit down to watch a game or watch a, a golf tournament or whatever it might be, and I find my emotions go places that I wasn't expecting. I was not expecting to sit there and be happy to watch the live guys struggle. But I must confess, I kind of was. I was happy to see it struggle. And Phil Mickelson is someone, if you have listened to me or watched Get Up or anything, I have a, a, a bit of a relationship with, and I like. I like Phil Mickelson a lot. He's done a lot of really good things for the sport. And yet I found myself actually seeing, feeling somewhat pleased 
that he did not under these circumstances finally win the U.S. Open, which has been the one thing missing from his resume his entire professional life. And I'm really fascinated by his choosing to do this because forget about Charles Schwartzel and Dustin John. Phil Mickelson was a person who was going to be able to make a fortune in golf for the rest of his life. Phil Mickelson could have chosen the seat that Nick Faldo was sitting in on CBS anytime he wanted it. All he needed to do was call up and say, I'm ready now. And they would put him in that chair immediately. And he would have been the greatest commentator. In, and he would have been Barkley level, whoever it is you want to put, as the absolute apex McEnroe, whoever you think is the very best people as analysts in their sport. Phil Mickelson would have been that day one. He will definitely not get that chair now. Mm. No way. And all the endorsements and everything else. And maybe all those things wouldn't have added up to $200 million. I really don't know. And maybe he doesn't really care about that. But that's not the feeling I've ever had. I think Phil does care. I think he does care about what people think of him. So the live thing, which is absolutely going to change professional golf as we know it forever, is endlessly fascinating to me. And when, as we continue through the summer and more occasions of it pop up, we'll talk more about it. But I just thought I would share that. I found myself happy none of them competed this weekend, and I didn't expect to feel that way. We'll get back to the championship and what it meant next on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.